Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Grammar Girl here. I'm Mignon Fogarty, and you can think of me as your friendly guide to the English language. Writing, history, rules, and cool stuff. Today, we'll talk about why it's so hard to detect sarcasm in text and steps you can take to help people understand you better. And I have a tidbit about where we get the phrase filthy lucre to describe money. This sentence begins the best podcast segment you will ever hear. Chances are you thought that last statement might be sarcasm. Sarcasm, as a linguist Robert Gibbs noted, includes, quote, words used to express something other than, and especially the opposite of, the literal meaning of a sentence, unquote. A form of irony, it also tends to be directed toward a specific individual. However, it's not always easy to figure out if a writer is being sarcastic, particularly as we march ahead in a digital age that's transformed the way we communicate with texting, emailing, and online commentary, replacing face-to-face chats or phone conversations. In writing, the signal of sarcasm can be muddied. For example, say you're texting with a friend about meeting at the movies. Your friend texts, I'm waiting at the front. Movie starts in five. You... I'm on my way now. Should be there in ten. Your friend. I'm glad you were watching the clock today. Was the friend being sarcastic or sincere? The later you are, the more upset they'll likely be, and the higher the probability their response is a sarcastic jab. But if your friend knows you're usually much later, they could be sincere. So there's one thing to look for. How well does the attitude the writer's conveying agree with the situation and the person? Nonetheless, the struggle to interpret written sarcasm is real. Studies have shown that people realize they have a tough time interpreting sarcasm in writing. Studying the use of email, researchers found writers who think they're being obviously sarcastic still confuse readers. Sarcasm thrives in ambiguous situations, and that's the main issue. When delivered in person, sarcasm tends to assume a cutting, bitter tone. But written messages don't always get that attitude across or give you much else to go on. We still need more information. Studies have examined the use of sarcasm in a variety of everyday situations, whether it's at work to give criticism or praise, or in situations where social norms get violated. Be on time to movies, people. 
The problem is that a lot of previous studies of sarcasm have been done on spoken sarcasm, which tends to give listeners clues. When you have a conversation with someone face-to-face or FaceTime-to-FaceTime, and they say something sarcastic, you'll see their facial expression, and they may look slightly bemused or tense. Equally or more helpful, the tone of their voice will likely change too. They may sound more intense or draw out certain phrases. You'll also be firmly grounded in the real-time context of the situation. So when they say, man, nice job ironing your clothes, you can look down and see your wrinkled shirt. All of these cues have been researched, and we know enough about them that we have the ability to artificially make a sincerely spoken statement sound sarcastic. And yet, when we text, a lot of that information goes missing. There are no facial cues, no vocal tones, and maybe even a delayed response if a person can't text you back immediately. And if you don't know the person all that well, there goes your last potential cue, history. So after what you thought was an unexceptional first date, exactly how do you interpret the following flurry of texts? Date. I had a great time. 12.03 a.m. That was the most fun I've had in years. 12.05 a.m. Really, it could not have gone better. 12.30 a.m. Was the date really that good? Did they seem like they had that much fun? Or are they just a jerk lamenting the wasted time? All valid questions, and the recipient could come to a lot of conclusions. Fear not. The digital age has developed some ways to mitigate some of the torturous ambiguity. You can probably include an emoji to make it clearer to a reader something was meant sarcastically. I had a great time, 12.03 a.m. That was the most fun I've had in years, tears of joy emoji, widely used to show something is funny, according to Emojipedia, 12.05 a.m. It really could not have gone better, expressionless face emoji, which may convey a sense of frustration or annoyance, 12.30 a.m. Well, ambiguity reduced and facial expression taken care of, probably not headed for date number two. If we're talking about email, we also have modifications that can be made to text. We can italicize or bold words to change the way a reader interprets the message. Lastly, social media platforms like Twitter have given writers even more tools to allow people to communicate their intent. A study that included sarcastic tweets found that tweeters who included the hashtag sarcasm tend to use more interjections, wow, and positive wording for negative situations in their sarcastic tweets. Algorithms have actually been built to determine the presence of sarcasm and rudeness in tweets, user reviews, and online conversations. The formulas were able to identify language that's outright rude pretty easily. But in order to correctly detect sarcasm, researchers found that algorithms needed both linguistic and semantic information, that is, language and meaning information, built in. In other words, sarcasm's subtlety means that the algorithms require more specification in their coding, unless you use the hashtag sarcasm, of course. With so many options to choose from, it's time to make sure that text you send at 2.30 a.m. really gets your point across. Winking emoji. That segment was written by Sarah Peters, who's an assistant professor of psychology at Newberry College in South Carolina. 
This article was originally published on The Conversation and is included here through a Creative Commons license. Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. A few days ago, I used the phrase filthy lucre, and my husband looked at me like I was speaking a different language. It means something like dirty money or an unclean gain. I feel like I've used that phrase my whole life, but he'd never heard it before, and that got me wondering about its origin. Before we talk about the phrase, let's look at the strange word my husband was unfamiliar with, lucre. It comes from the Latin word lucrum, which also gave us the word lucrative. According to Adam Online, lucrum meant gain, advantage, profit, wealth, or riches. Lucre has had a negative connotation since its earliest days in English. The first citation in the Oxford English Dictionary is from the theologian John Wycliffe, who in his works from 1380 refers disapprovingly to worldly honor and lucre. Just a few years later, in 1386, Chaucer used the term in the Prioress's tale, referring to the lucre of villainy. The exact phrase I'm familiar with, filthy lucre, didn't turn up until 1526, when William Tyndale used it as the translation of a line from the Greek version of the Bible's Book of Titus. In the verse, Paul is warning against false teachers, saying they are teaching things which they ought not because of filthy lucre. According to a site about the King James Bible called the King's English, the phrase filthy lucre appears four times in that version of the Bible, each time being used to refer to, quote, a grave temptation for gospel ministers, unquote. Given that the word filthy has been associated with unseemly money since the 1500s, it's actually surprising that it took at least 300 more years for people to start describing the wealthy as being filthy rich. Also surprising to me is that in modern use, lucre appears outside the phrase filthy lucre. That's the only way I've ever heard it used, but in the corpus of contemporary American English— Only 19 out of 66 entries for lucre 
were for the phrase filthy lucre. The corpus also includes newfound lucre, measly lucre, and many instances of lucre just used alone as a substitute for money, and usually again with a negative connotation. The phrase filthy lucre does seem to be falling out of favor a bit, at least in published books. Going by a Google Ngram search, which shows how often words or phrases appear in books that Google has scanned, the phrase filthy lucre was much more common in the 1800s than it is today. But in 1996, the band The Sex Pistols did go on a tour they called the Filthy Lucre Tour. They later released an album from that tour called Filthy Lucre Live. So there you have it. Filthy lucre first appeared as a translation from the Greek for something like shameful or dishonest gain in the Tyndale Bible and has been used ever since to describe corrupting money or profit earned in a dishonorable way. And lucre as a standalone word for money also usually has a negative connotation. Finally, I have a familect story from Erica. Hi, Grammar Girl. This is Erica. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and I have a little story for you about my family's word for chocolate milk. Um, We call it mop (laughs) I don't know quite how to spell that, but it comes from my, it comes from the phrase chocolate in it, which is what my older brother would say if he wanted chocolate milk. He would say, I want mop or chocolate in it. So now if I go visit my parents, I will have coffee with my breakfast, and my nephew will have mom and inlet. Thank you so much for your podcast. I listen all the time, and it's actually the first podcast that I've ever listened to, and so because of you, I'm now a fan of many, many podcasts. So thank you so much for that, and thanks for sharing my story. Bye. Thanks, Erica. I love to hear that I introduced people to the bigger world of podcasting. Once you get started, there's so much free and fabulous entertainment. You all know. So everyone listening, do your friends or family members a favor this week and show them how to listen to podcasts so they can enjoy them too. Pick at least one person and do it. And if you want to share your family dialect story, leave a voicemail at 833214-GIRL, like Erica did, and you might hear it on the show. That's 833-321-44475. I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find me at the home of my podcast network, quickanddirtytips.com. Also, if you haven't already, remember to check out my new course at linkedinlearningandlinda.com. It's called Grammar Girl's Quick and Dirty Tips for Better Writing, and people have already bookmarked individual videos from the course more than 2,500 times. So go see why, after watching, people want to go back to these videos again and again. Thank you to my producer, Nathan Sams, and my editor, Karen Hertzberg. That's all. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. 
Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.